guys so we're back welcome back to the creative gourd hey this has been a, lo- a long period of growth and a lot of maturity one of which is from our co-star mikhail israel who has his website up which is amazing hey now thank you thank you thank you thank you it's a pleasure to be back uh back at now the warehouse <laughs> uh, right. which is dope and talking about maturity and growth just seeing what you've been doing all the magical toys you have accumulated that have created this set um it's beautiful so i'm glad to be back in this space i feel all fancy (laughs) right now because i'm surrounded by expensive equipment and the irony is this is where it all started this is actually where we did our first podcast which is oh yeah ironically the black panther review oh yeah oh yeah a hundred percent um wakanda forever (laughs) yes Uh, the marathon continues. <laughs> Get them all out right now. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome, awesome. No, I was just happy to be back in the spot. Um, it's always a pleasure to come back to T-Town. You know what I mean? So uh, looking forward to a great conversation. Yes, sir. And very inspiring place. And only 40 minutes from our alma mater, the Petty School. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Aliviva, shout out again. You know? Absolutely. You might want to take a look at Mikhail's website because, you know, possibly could help you in the future. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. That's MikhailIsrael.com, by the way. Yes. So today, Mix and I thought that it would be fun to talk about the progression of how the Coliseum has turned into modern day professional sports. Yes. Yes. Um, You know, and if anyone's ever spent time around us for... I don't know, maybe the first 10 to 15 minutes, sports come up. Maybe it's the first time we see each other. We say, hey, what's good? Oh, did you see the game yesterday? Yeah. Um, Or what do you think about this fight that's coming up? Um, So sports is always in in our conversation. thousand percent. And usually, you know, how are the the Knicks doing? (laughs) And usually it's a rhetorical question. (laughs) Unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, how are they doing? I think they're just doing. And some might say they're not even doing. Um, I think it's a joke going on that said uh, the Knicks are not even going to make the regular season. Wow, that's harsh. Very harsh. Very harsh. But, you know, even though I moved away from New York City, I'm currently in Philadelphia. I still got to ride out for the Knicks, man. I still got to do it. I'm loyal. I got loyalty and royalty inside my DNA. I'm just saying there's a lot of brotherly love for the Sixers in Philly. I'm just saying. This is true. And listen, if they go against one of the nemesis that I just can't stand, I'd root for them. Just like, for example, uh, when the uh, Eagles beat the Patriots, (laughs) I was front and center rooting like I've been a fan for years. Um, I love to see the Patriots lose. (laughs) (laughs) I really do. I really do. Especially as a New Yorker, so why not, right? 100%. So, you know, I definitely enjoy talking about sports. And, you know, you talked about when we were having a conversation earlier about the Coliseum to, like, now. Right. So we think about gladiators. We think about watching sports uh, for pure entertainment, uh, to see blood, gore, some folks get excited about injuries, unfortunately. You've seen what happened. Yeah, folks clapping, star people get Absolutely. That get was out. outrageous. Yeah. You, you see all these things happening, and it's just, uh, you know, you wonder, oh, well, they don't have that anymore. It's not like Rome, ancient Rome anymore. It's not like that. Uh, I don't know. Take a look. The interesting part, let's just, you know, describe how it was mm. in ancient times and see if there's any parallels now. So I'm not sure if you know, but a lot of the athletic events in the Coliseum were sponsored by the state. So the politicians would often, usually the ruler at the time, could be Caesar, could be whoever, 
at the time was trying to pass something in the Senate and he was greeted with a lot of resistance. So what would happen is that they would have a uh, sacrifice to the gods, if you will. So there would be an athletic event, a competition in honor of the gods. And just to get people's attention off the failure in the Senate. Mm. So then people's, you know, emotions would be heightened. After all, sports has always had a lot of authentic, raw emotion because usually, cleverly, sports are designed to be esoteric metaphors for life. 100%. Overcoming physical, mental odds to triumph, you know, over everyone. 100%. And people love good stories. Um, People love heroes. Absolutely. Uh, People love to be lauded as someone who is legendary, who goes down and will live in infamy. They've been uh, been immortalized. Right. right? Uh, They don't have any type of mortality because their legend lives on. And you look at sports now and, you know, the names might be different in terms of, you know, there's no longer, you know, them playing out for the gods per se. Um, But how about the owners? Right. Or the board of governors now or the commissioner, et cetera. So it's the same thing that's happening. Just the language is different. Uh, The time is different. Um, But everything is still happening the same way it happened years ago. Thousand percent. That was a great parallel. So I actually pictured Roger Goodell as, (laughs) you know, as Caesar being like, (laughs) (laughs) yes and essentially that's what he's in charge of in terms of disciplinary actions so technically if the you know if the crowd if the audience wasn't happy with the performance or let's say the conduct of players usually the court of public opinion will weigh in and then roger will have to go either way a hundred percent um definitely and i think that you know some folks they look at all the different major leagues whether it's major league baseball whether it's national basketball association national football league um you look at all these organizations and you can really see how things are set up um to really entertain um or they really harken back um to the old old days for example you would have a tiger coming out of a cage right, <gasps> right. or you would have someone running out to face the glass. starting lineups they televise those things, exactly. right? Where they have the noise and they hype it up and everything. You literally could just start the game. You could just have folks on court and start the game. You have folks running through the tunnel for football. You literally could just start the game. You don't have to have all that stuff, but that creates a spectacle. Um, that creates, like, it really gets folks adrenaline pumping. It helps the players, but it also helps the fans too. Um, and you just start to root, root, root for your home team, right? Um, and that's pretty much how uh, you really, if you think about it, sports teams in a lot of different ways are almost like, Little entities of their own. It could be little cities, um, little states of their own, because people will ride out for their team. Um, Literally, I was wearing a a Yankees, like, first couple things. I have a Yankees shirt Mm -hmm. and I have a Yankees uh, MasterCard. So on my MasterCard, I have the Yankees insignia. As I mentioned, I live in Philadelphia. Today, I was wearing my Yankees shirt, and, you know, I had to look both ways before I crossed the street. (laughs) Not for cars. Not for cars. Right. For people who might be, you know, yo, wait, hold up. Why are you not wearing Philadelphia gear? Yeah, what set you claim, bro? It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. So it's like you have to watch your back and your front, literally, if you disagree with someone's team. You see people, how how fanatic they can be, too. Burning jerseys. Wow. Burning jerseys because right. their team uh, traded somebody or because someone's leaving right. to go somewhere else. That would be the equivalent of me leaving the school that I currently work <laughs> and people burning one of my ties right? because I'm going to work somewhere else. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. And there is such a parallel between professional sports and essentially everyone's work, culture, and structure. 
after all, if you want to think about it this way, the owner of the team is essentially the owner of your company, wherever you work, or the institution, right? The, the person who is directing everything. And then if you have the front office, those are usually the executives, your CEOs, your you know CFOs, that level. And then you have the management group. So in this in the sports case, it would be the coaches and the coaching staff. And then you know for everyone else, we're just the you know workers and all and or the athletes. Hundred percent. And it's very similar. Like in, I mean, any other I guess um, work line of work. There are institutions and there are individuals that are affiliated with those institutions. Um, and every sports team has its own culture. Mm-hmm. Every league has its own culture. Um, every league and sports team has its own fan base. Usually it's particularly um, focused on, I guess, the region. So, for example, you know, some folks might like football more so down south than up north. Um, and some folks might like basketball more so down here in the States. But now because Toronto just won, you know, and there used to be two teams. Um, they had the Vancouver Grizzlies before they moved to Memphis. Exactly. Um, but now I think they're trying to get basketball a little bit more spread out through the world. Um, and if you want to get back to the whole analogy of, you know, uh, the Coliseum um, and get back to things in terms of like, you know, gladiators or folks who could conquer territories, um, looking at it, and if you want to equate it to the drug game too, Ooh. if you think about it, right, the same way folks try to push a product. Right. The NBA is trying to push a product and they're moving from the states and trying to make it global, whether that's playing a game in Africa, whether that's playing a game in China. And there was something I was watching recently, I think it was on YouTube somewhere, but they were talking about, you know, everybody knows that sports can be fixed at times. There's a lot of gambling behind it. Absolutely. And there's so many stories about that, but particularly with the NBA, folks were talking about how uh, the San Antonio Spurs and their run and their dynasty was really fixed by the powers that be, by the NBA guys, by the commissioner, et cetera, at that time, David Stern. David Stern, uh, And people were like, but why would they do that? That's not a big market team. They're a boring team, but they were still so successful. The most interesting point that someone brought up is that they had a lot of international players on their team. They sure did. You had Mono Ginobili. You had Tim Duncan from the Virgin Islands. You had um, t- Tony Parker from Paris. And tying into your point, each sport has its own culture. So at this time, the promoted culture would be international exactly so that's how they're trying to really expand their brand so someone might say oh why why would that benefit the nba well cash is king everybody's really thinking about the bottom line and if revenue is something that they're chasing how can we get the revenue how can we expand this beyond it's not just team usa it's not just the fiba basketball world cup how else can we get more folks to buy into what we're selling as an american entity that we want to make global it's facts. I mean, I feel like the Redeem team was essentially a Nike tour mm. mm-hmm. for athletes, which is what they go on on an annual basis every time the season ends. And actually going back to your point about how, for lack of better words, betting, right? Yes. So there's all types of loopholes for legal sports betting. And I didn't realize this until fantasy sports. Hmm. Because that's where the money can legally be accumulated based upon performance. So it's a it's way you, uh, you sneak one past the goalie. Mm-hmm. And now that sports are you know legal to bet on, at least in you know in Vegas and New Jersey. Yes, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that too, because there's a lot of things that might be deemed illegal, mm-hmm. and there are some things that you have to ask yourself, hmm, why is that legal? Uh, and usually, it's again, follow the dollar, follow right. the dollar. Um, And a lot of folks will make certain concessions um, in order for them to make sure that their bottom line is growing. 
um, if there's anything that is affecting their bottom line negatively, then they're going to try to rule it out. They're going to try to make sure that that's illegal. Um, but whatever is good for the goose is good for the gander, right? So if someone's making money, other folks want to know how can they get in on it. Whether it's owners, whether it's players, whether it's referees, they want to know how they can get in on the action. And sometimes you have to ban certain things so it doesn't really sully the league, so to speak. Um, but folks are trying to make ha money hand over fist. Um, and then what's interesting, I was watching one of the videos you were talking about free agency right. um, on your channel, um, which is just great content, by the way. Just great, great content, by appreciate the way. Appreciate that world, um, baller, you know. For sure. Um, so <laughs> I was just listening to some things. And, you know, what I appreciate now is that back in the day, if we talk about the Coliseum, a lot of those gladiators didn't really have a choice as to whether or not they wanted to perform, had to perform. And in a lot of ways, it's life or death. Absolutely. They have, if you don't win, if you do, like they were literally fighting for their livelihood. If you don't win, you might die. I don't know, Mix. That sounds a lot like slavery. Yes, 100%. It sounds like slavery, doesn't it? Reminds me of a book um, <laughs> by William Roden, which I read when I was much younger. And I didn't really appreciate it because I was too young to really, like, really grapple and wrestle with the concepts that I was talking about. But it was called $40 Million Slaves. And I'm like, how can someone make $40 million and be a slave? Someone might be asking that same question. Um, but again, it's really about ownership. It's really about who makes that money, who can control you, not just what goes into your pocket or your bank account, um, but how can you live your life? Um, what are you eating? What are you wearing? Right. Think about folks who are walking brands. You think about the fact that LeBron James gifted Anthony Davis number 23 and he was going to take his number six back. And Nike said, pump the brakes. You're not going to do that right. because we're going to lose money. So we really see who's in control. This is LeBron James. I mean, allegedly, this is why Kanye left Nike and why Drake was supposed to leave Nike. But, you know, that's a conversation for another day. But that that is very interesting, especially considering the fact. If you look at how Nike has control over the world, they can be looked at as an institution themselves. Mm -hmm. 100 percent. And it's funny because, you know, Nike has been interesting in a lot of different ways. And I think it's because almost the same way, not to get into politics, but just thinking about. Um, Bill Clinton, when he ran for office, they had something called triangulation. That was a strategy. They were going to make sure that they could appeal not only to those who were on the right, but also appeal to the moderates and the folks who were on the left. So they were trying to do a triangulation strategy where, um, you know, everyone's hearing a certain message that they can jive with. I think Nike plays the same way. Um, so they're very smart in terms of their branding, et cetera. Um, everybody lauded and applauded Nike when they sided with Kaepernick, right? Right. Yet, Mm -hmm. Yet in the same same organization, they put out the Betsy Ross flag sneakers that Kaepernick had to tell him to pull a plug on. It's not a good look. Right. So it's like all these things that are taking place. It's like, well, this is the same organization that was just standing up for social justice that has the shirts that say equality with the with the Nike sign. But at the same time, the same thing that someone that you just said you sided with was kneeling for. You released some sneakers that have Betsy Ross on the back. The Betsy Ross um, a flag that was supposed to be sewn by Betsy Ross mm -hmm. on the back of the, of the, of the sneakers? How, how is that possible? So, again, some folks know how to play to a particular audience. They know how to market. They know how to – and if, if things don't go – if things don't go checked, if things go unchecked, then things continue to happen, particularly if money is involved and money is being made. Absolutely. And that actually reminds me a lot of the movie Gladiator since we're on topic and how someone like Kaepernick could be looked at like Maximus. Yes. Right? Because if we're being completely honest, if we're being intellectually honest, yes. if you look at professional sports, specifically the NBA, it's marketed a lot like celebrities. So all this soap opera drama and, 
and what have you because that's what generates the interest so oh i have to because like you said they're essentially doing that triangulation so how to get more female viewers usually that's a uh, a goal of any corporation because females tend to be the most consistent and best consumers. 100%. And I think the other thing that folks don't often talk about, particularly when you think about a sport like the NFL um, and then the NBA, because the folks in the NFL wear helmets, right. they're wearing shoulder pads, like their bodies are covered, you can't really see much. There's not much to market. Exactly. Right. So that's, that's why it's really a team sport. That's it's 11 on 11. It's really a team sport. You have some, you have some superstars, but usually the people who get marketed the most are the quarterbacks. Right. And usually, because of how the NFL had, had been, it's racial. Because it was usually just the, oh, quarterback position is smart, and people of color aren't smart. Uh, so it was just a white man's job. And those ones who got the guaranteed contracts, and in some cases still do get guaranteed money where other folks don't, right. um, are, the, are the quarterbacks. Those are the ones who are like the poster childs, the Tom Brady's, Aaron Rodgers, et cetera. Many people don't really talk about Russell Wilson. He's won a championship, and he didn't see, excuse me, married to Sierra. Right. Um, but some folks are not marketable for whatever reason. However, in the NBA, um, because they're such superstars, because you see them, because when you go to the game, you could be that close to them. Football, you're not that close to people, right? Because you still have some space away. But in basketball, that's the cl- you could be courtside so much so that owners start putting their hands on people, right? Exactly. <laughs> Or you might actually see someone, another celebrity that you recognize at the game, Mm -hmm. which lets you know socially how valuable this event is. Oh, yes. And then you have all these teams that start to co-sign. And it's funny how that works out, too, because if you look at a Drake, for example. Right. Well, I think, you know, Drake was doing a little little much, um, but that's Drake. And that's part of Drake's brand is to be a little too much. thousand percent. So um, with that being said, though, uh, you now see how celebrity can be not only um, something that helps the organization, but also can be detrimental. Um, so it could be detrimental to the point where you might not want that type of publicity or if, it, if there's anything to the point where they said that Drake wasn't supposed to be allowed to travel to Golden State, um, to Oakland for the Golden State Warriors games. He's going to only be able to at, at home games. And then also, you can also use them as leverage, though, because when you're thinking about Drake, apparently, you know, when Kawhi was trying to decide exactly where he wanted to go, Drake was heavily involved in those conversations and those meetings to the point where he was offering, you know, you can have equity or stake in OVO, um, OVO, um, yeah, OVO, and just talk about, what you call it, um, whether or not you can help me help you. Because if you come here, you know, we can keep Toronto going, we can keep this going, and I'll give you some stake in my company. And so those are ways that folks will go around things such as a salary cap. Those are the way thing, um, like folks go around some of the protocol that the league has in terms of their guidelines to get more money in their pocket. So sometimes celebrities could be great. Other times it might be a little detrimental. That's very interesting. That actually reminds me of Carmelo's contract with the Knicks because apparently James Dolan actually gave him stock in MSG. So usually the top stars who get those Supermax type of deals, a lot of that money comes from owning MSG, and that's a way that you can keep that money off the books legally 100 mm-hmm, percent. and first and foremost thank you for bringing that up uh we need to get a new uh person who's going to lead the team uh new york knicks uh i, I don't know the, james i don't know him personally but james dolan hasn't really been working out with the knicks i mean there's a lot of things the last time i was really excited about the knicks quite honestly uh was before carmelo anthony got traded right. to the knicks um, when we had a nice little thing going, we were building. We had Wilson Chandler. We had Danilo Gallinari. All these folks who are somewhere else now, <laughs> right? Uh, we had Raymond Felton. We mm-hmm. had Amari Stoudemire. We had, we, had, we, had a, we had a team. We had a team. And it was um, one that was, like, really working for us. I think the Knicks won, like, maybe 54, ga- um, 54 games that year. And then we busted it up, you know, sent some folks away. Got Mellow. Love Mellow. Really do love Mellow. But nothing has been the same 
since then. We, we had one playoff stint where we got beat by Miami. LeBron's Miami. Second LeBron round, away. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think it was either. It might have been the first. First round. Because yeah. I don't know if the Knicks got that far. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the whole situation now where athletes are becoming even more. They're becoming smarter. Um, and and uh, become more aware. I won't say smarter because athletes were always smart before. Um, I think they become more aware, and because they have more options, and because times are changing, um, all those things are a perfect storm in order for them to actually try to take more ownership or autonomy over their career, um, as opposed to a lot of folks who didn't have that type of opportunity before. Because now you have social media, now you have money. That's all these endorsements, etc. Like marketing is crazy in this capitalistic society. Um, so I think now they are met with these opportunities where they can go there and have good um, negotiations about getting ownership or equity or whatever the case may be that really protects them, particularly if they get injured, which yeah. could be career ending uh, or anything. So adding on to your point, that actually reminds me of how if you look at, let's say, legends in their own time, people mm -hmm. like Michael Jordan and or Achilles – what are the differences between them really in terms of the cosmos of time? Now, someone very clever might say Kobe Bryant. But, <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, even Kobe and LeBron as well, on the pantheon of all the great athletes ever, Usain Bolt, Michael Phelps, essentially they are the heroes, the myths of current times, the, the titans of today. I think that's a beautiful analogy. Um, and I think that, for example, even if it's a point now, you think about a person like Zion Williamson, who is just larger than life. Literally. Literally. Yeah. Right. And you see that. Wow. How can someone that size jump that high? Right. How come they have that crazy of a vertical jump, literally jumping out the gym? Um, and these are things that you read about. These are things that are folklore. These are things that are fairy tale. You talk about uh, a Superman faster than uh, Superman being faster than speeding bullet uh, could leap a thirty foot, uh, st a thirty story building, right? We common folks, um, particularly a person like me who will never be that size, ever, um, and can't accumulate that much muscle or hops, right? Um, with that being said, I, I think about that, and to a common person, this is something that we look up to in terms of, wow, I'm amazed. So like you said, these are our heroes of the time. We still have the Olympics, mm. which is heroes from all over the world, right? Competing against each other. Since ancient times. And this is something that will continue to happen. Sports are not going away. People thought that football, you know, is going away. Football's not going away. They might try to change things, but as long as, long as there are people who can play the sport, who want to play the sport, and money is still being earned, it's not going away. You can tell them about CTE. Mm -hmm. People, people, you can tell folks about CTE, it's still gonna happen. People know, people know for a fact that cigarettes can cause cancer. Exactly. And they still smoke them, right? Consciously. We know that these things happen, but again, it brings in money. So what they might do, like they did with cigarettes, like they do with alcohol, put on a little warning label, Football could cause CTE. You might not live a long life. It's still going to happen because it still makes money. And while I'm on it, before I forget, remember Jamel Hill? Right. Conversation she was making, she was talking about, she called out uh, President Trump and all these other things, right? That's not why she was let go of ESPN. It's because she started to talk about how folks need to boycott, mm. boycott sponsors of the NFL. That 
not because she said anything about Trump. You know, people say stuff about Trump every day and nothing changes, apparently. Right? He, he could do no wrong, apparently. Right? But with that being said, though, once she started talking about the money, right, that's when things got out of hand. I mean, I feel like she knew what she was doing at the same time because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, her salary was directly linked to the money that was generated from the topics that we we're discussing. So she, she knew how the game was played. 100%. She knew how the game was played. Um, but if you look at, because since we're looking at things in historical perspective, going back to the Coliseum, mm-hmm. um, if you look at the history of the world, things ain't really get crazy until folks start talking about money. Right. So you think about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Things ain't get crazy until you start talking about money. You look at JFK. Things ain't really get crazy until you really start talking about money. Right. You look at Lincoln. If I'm not mistaken, I think, you know, President Lincoln back in time, I think there's something with the Federal Reserve or whatever. Things get crazy when you start talking about money. So I ain't saying nothing about money today. (laughs) 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 Cha-ching. But it's, it's very interesting. And to think about how much money is generated in collegiate sports alone. So that begs the question... Should college athletes get paid? Yes. Obviously. It's yes. Obvious. Yes. Yes. Are you, you want to talk about a, a, you want to talk about criminality? You wow. want to talk about criminals? Criminals. It's funny because I, I think I was having a conversation with my wife, Amanda. Shout out, by the way. Shout out to Amanda. Um, I, I, I think we were having a conversation because we were just talking about what folks get upset about. Right. You think about some of the things that are like, oh, my God, that's an injustice. Oh, my God. What, what? And then, so you, you talk about that, and my, one of my pet peeves is intellectual inconsistency. I, I can't stand, you mean to tell me you have an issue with this, but this, that's just packaged differently, but it's the same thing. Like, you eating ground turkey from Purdue. Right. And you eating ground turkey from Hillshire Farms. Different packaging. It's the same content. You mean to tell me that you're okay with that ground turkey, but not this ground turkey? You're crazy. So when we talk about all these things about what's just, oh, man, an athlete who's generating millions, billions of dollars for these schools, right? Yes. They don't get money. They can't get paid off their likeness. So their jerseys get sold. They can't reap any benefits, but they'll get in trouble if they get caught taking money on the side. I've heard stories personally of folks who could not really eat because they didn't have the money for it. I've heard folks who could not really even afford the books that they needed in class. And if you think about it, a lot of these schools or a lot of these athletes, they're one and done. You have folks who used to be able to be able to uh, leave the NFL, um, leave for the NBA fresh out of high school. But they changed that. And they're, 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 the reason why they had changed that allegedly is they want them to mature. They want them to, you know, gain a little bit of experience at the collegiate level. No. They're trying to help pad some organizations, some schools, bottom line in terms of getting revenue. Because, as I know, I've worked in college counseling before. There are many ways you can mature. Take a gap year. Do something else. You don't have to go to school, particularly if you're not going to plan to finish and graduate and get your degree anyway. We don't have to talk about a degree because that might not be worth it anyway. Right. So you mean to tell me you're taking, you're, you're bleeding these athletes who are going to put their livelihood and their career, their potential future career, and their, their profession of choice in terms of sports, on the line. For example, when Zion Williamson popped out of his shoe, folks was like, nope, 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 nope. You need to sit down for the remainder of the season. 
no March Madness, nothing. But I'm sure folks were in his ear, and I'm sure he knew too, that if I, I can do this to take a stand, or I can actually continue to play and get these endorsements that are going to come in. So, again, like I said, if it ain't about dollars, it don't make sense. And folks always think about that. They're always looking at the money, and we can't front like we wouldn't do the same thing too because we always look at the money too. Exactly. doesn't matter what profession. You're looking at the money in a lot of different ways. It costs to live, either monetary or something else. But usually we're talking about money, particularly in a capitalistic society. A thousand percent. Even if you look like a player like Bryce Harper, Mm -hmm. Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. So Philly's not really much of a contender. No. In fact, his team was better than the Phillies, but he went there for for money. They paid the most. So these athletes are making their own conscious decision. And last time I checked, we all are you know, intellectual sentient beings capable of intellectual sovereignty. Mm-hmm. So we have the ability to make <laughs> our own individual decisions and be accountable for those decisions. And the reality is, think about how much of a negative example the athletes are who squandered all their money. With all due respect, people like T.O. Mm-hmm. And still has, you know, he's actually in debt as well. So it's just, it's just things like that. So when people like LeBron or KD or Anthony Davis or Kawhi are actually being thoughtful and thinking about their value and wealth into perpetuity, all of a sudden now it's a problem. But if people like Gary Vee or Dan Pena or whoever say it on stage, they're a hero. They're titans of industry. Oh, this is a very, this is a great move. You know, things like that. I'm glad you brought that up because that just that's spot on, spot on. And, you know, as you were talking about that, it really reminded me of the situation that, you know, owners or whatever term we want to use for them, um, but the folks who really have the power in these different leagues, um, in these different organizations, mm-hmm. um, their number one concern is not for the consumer unless the consumer gets upset. And because they get upset, they stop coming to games, which means the revenue decreases. They don't really care. Again, they really care about the money. Money, money, money. So what do they sell the athlete? They might sell them certain things such as winning records. Mm-hmm. They might sell them such such things such as um, pretty much um, what organization what the organization has to offer. Is it a good culture? Is it nightlife? Uh, what are they looking for? But the worst nightmare are folks, these, these organizations, owners, etc., their worst nightmare are athletes who are actually starting to think independently. <laughs> yes. Athletes who actually are like, you know what? I'm not looking at this as me being a gladiator. I'm looking at this as this being my profession and my job. So I do care about health care. I do care about compensation. I have a family just like you have a family, and I want to take care of them. So they're really starting to think independently. Um, yeah, hmm, would I rather win lots of championships and not get paid a lot of money, and then when I retire and I can't do anything else really, have those championships? Or... Do I want to make sure that I'm setting up for my future? You also have other folks who are being very uh, smart about their money in terms of investments. They're investing in tech firms, all these startups, et cetera. KD, that's right. But the crazy thing is, is that what I'm noticing now is that if you think about politics again, you know the politics, that, uh, politicians, they usually have their own bully pulpit, but there are also a lot of media outlets. You have the political pundits that might speak or serve as mouthpieces for p- different political parties, et cetera. The same can be said about all of these embrace debate shows. So when you think about Undisputed, you think about ESPN's first, first take. State, when yeah. you think, I prefer Undisputed, by the way. I'm just real rap. My man Shannon Sharp. But anyway, 
I digress. <laughs> if you think about these embrace debate sports shows, speak for yourself for another one. You have folks who come on and they can literally be mouthpieces for particular organizations. If there's an organization that wants to get an agenda pushed across, they can have people reach out to that network and say you need X, Y, and Z to come on to be a talking head for certain agendas. Um, additionally, one of the things that drives me crazy is that someone might be on one of these embrace debate shows and like an anonymous GM said, miss me with that. That that's just talking now. Right. Put a name like attach a name to it or otherwise it's just the same nonsense that you see in the political arena. So all these things, particularly with social media, like you have talking heads who serve as embrace debate, but could be pundits who are really pushing the bully pulpit of a particular school, of a particular organization. I would even argue a particular player, because if you mm -hmm. think about someone like Nick Wright, people think he's still on LeBron's payroll. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And, and, and it becomes that individualized to the point where some folks really could speak out for for certain athletes. And I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised if there's some side deals going on because there's nothing against that. There's nothing against that. And that's another great point that you brought up how similar it is to the political arena in terms of the old, you know, the oldest trick in the book in terms of smash and grab, have a distraction to, yes, you know, put people's attention elsewhere when it should actually be on this. So the whole aspect of people like Charles Barkley, who actually represent the antithesis of the thinking of LeBron, because Charles Barkley was a victim. He was a victim of two things. He was a victim of playing against, playing in the Michael Jordan era, yep. so he wasn't able to win, yep. along with a lot of other greats and legends. But he also was a victim of not always having the best GMs. Yep. In you know in a situation, and how many players, you know, fell you know essentially fell victim to that. KG almost did until he made the big yep. three in Boston. Yep. So you can be loyal as people should say you should be loyal, but if the Let's say you're in an Anthony Davis situation where part of the Saints are running the New Orleans Pelicans. Clearly, who's making more money? The Saints are making more money. It's a football town. Mm -hmm. You're going to put more effort into making sure you have a winning team with the Saints because you'll know you know exactly how much money you won because you just won a, a Super Bowl a couple years ago. Hundred percent. And if you look at the opposite, people like in the, the Anthony Davis situation, it would be a lot easier for the organization just to keep him as that superstar so people will come just to see him play but have no intention in of winning but then make him the bad guy when he says he wants to leave so he can win because athletes will realize they're always going to get money. The money's always going to be there, but the opportunity to win isn't going to be there, and usually when you win, you gain more money anyway. So it's just it's best in everyone's best interest to be a winner because at the end of the day, if you're rooting for this team and the player is only playing for money and not because they want to win, you're going to, you know, you're going to be upset with that player and rightfully so. However, when they're doing both, then it's a problem as well. So it kind of reeks of cognitive dissonance. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because if you think about the different generations too, they're back in the day, the NBA is different. We could all say that the NBA is different. It's, it's changed. It's evolved. The three point shot has become even more, um, popularized so everybody in their mama trying to shoot a three-pointer right i might practice one tonight crazy oh. legs get them <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean but everybody is trying to do that so th so the, the league is different we, we all know the league is different um with that being said so are the players that are coming into it right it's a different generation of folks um and i heard something interesting they were talking about how you know they're in free agency how before once um everyone used to talk about Madison square garden being the mecca you want to come to new york city come to new york city come to new york city mind you the brooklyn nets weren't there yet they were new jersey nets and nobody wanted to go to new jersey exactly 
No, no offense. I mean, <laughs> Prudential Center. I mean, it's a great arena, but you know, for sure. But no one want to come to the Nets. No one want to come to the Nets. B- like, Barclays is state of the art. Are you kidding me? Hundred percent. Like, and now that you have Barclays, right? You have Barclays versus Madison Square Garden. So you could be in New York City, in a borough that's not as crazy in the sense. Well, it's crazy all the ways. I am from Harlem. So uh, <laughs> Brooklyn a little crazy. I didn't really go. But anyway, right? You have a place where you can go into New York City and not really have to worry about the media attention that a Mass Square Garden would, would come with, right? And a lot of folks say you can't sell things the same way they used to. You can't say, oh, you want to play at the Garden? You want to play at the Mecca? They're like, nah, I want to play New York, and there's another team that has better ownership, better management. I'm going there. Absolutely. And there's going to be less pressure and less stress because it's not the New York Knicks organization, which is one of the most um, – profitable and most uh um, i guess richest franchises in terms of money how much it costs i think maybe about 4.5 billion dollars is worth something like that around around that yeah around there um which is huge especially for a non-winner yes 100 percent. it's it's been rough it's really been rough (laughs) so (laughs) pray for me um but it's really been rough but also what would be interesting to see now because you have folks who are literally calling up their homeboys saying let's rock Mm mm-hmm Let's join. Now, everybody was joking. They were talking about how NBA became NBA Jam overnight. Because <laughs> now folks are like, what are the duos? We're playing two-on-two. Exactly. Pick your, two, uh, p- pick your top two duos. They're, they're ranking duos, et cetera. But here's the interesting piece. So you have uh, Adam Silver, who's supposed to be uh, investigating, on the NBA is supposed to be investigating tampering, right? right? If there was tampering. Now, there's been good arguments that have been made. Okay, so if let's, we all know tampering's been going on. Absolutely. However, this has been the most exciting off season in the NBA, it's it's almost football season. In fact, folks are now just starting to talk about football, but basketball leaked into July, and still there are some free agents on the table who folks are still looking for. So the, the question becomes, if we're really talking about it being about money, this off season made the NBA money. I understand there's some small market teams and flyover states that, you know, might be upset. I'm sure Michael Jordan is upset. Kemba left. But come on, bro. You got to put some people around him. Also, he flat out said he wasn't going to give him the max, too. So you can't be that upset. Exactly. Exactly. So you have an issue with money because you said you're not going to give me the max. But you get upset if I leave and cost you money. So you have all these folks who are leaving, costing place money. But at the same time, something that they want to discourage against in terms of tampering is actually something that's working in their favor as an organization because it's making it more exciting and it's bringing in more revenue. And I'm sure now that there's parity in the NBA where folks are not saying, oh, well, it's going to be Golden State in Cleveland again. There's going to be more folks watching it. You can get more advertising dollars. You can get more television deals. You can get all these things. So are the rules going to change? Can folks really do what they want to do? Can it be like the Wild Wild West, so to speak? Or is it going to be like, no, we need to stop with this tampering? I don't know about that because, again, it makes them money. And if you talk to any of these talk show guests of the cloud of people like Chris Broussard, mm-hmm. they'll tell you that tampering is just part of business. Mm. It's just how you do it. So I'm sure someone like Jerry West, the way he does it is a lot more respected and valued around the league, which is why he's able to get virtually any deal done because he he doesn't you know, leak things. He does, He, you know, I would say first class all the way. And that's what people are interested in, especially when you have the likes of LeBron James and Rich Paul in the boardrooms. A hundred percent. Listen, there's tampering in every single workplace. Last time I checked, I believe bribing is part of business negotiations in the East. hundred percent. And if you think about, it, okay, so for example, 
currently I'm on break because I work in education. So I'm got a nice little summer break. Yeah. Um, so that's been good. But I receive emails and the smart uh, headhunting firms or search firms send an email to people saying this position is available. If you know someone who's interested in the position, feel free to pass the information along. Now, if someone happens to be interested in that position, who's receiving that, not once, nowhere in there does it say if you're interested. It says if you know someone who's interested. So there are ways that people can poach or tamper or try to say, hey, uh, we've got something good going on over here. Want to take a look? What do you think networking is? What do you think conferences are? So you mean telling me that, let's just say the MBA is an organization, let's just say it's a bunch of schools, right? Because that's just something I know. You go to a conference. You see somebody who just did a dynamic presentation about their school. Mm. You go up to them and you give them your business card. For what? Why would you give them a business card? You give them a business card because, like, listen, I like what you got going down over there. If something pops up, keep me in mind. Not because I don't like where I am, but because I know how this game works. Positions open. Opportunities arise. So that's what basketball players are doing, too. Yo, I like what you got going on over there. Maybe in a couple of years, I'll be ready to move over there because I've done everything I can here. There's no more up. I've reached my ceiling. I'm coming with you. That's what it is. It's so true. Even if you look at players like DeMar DeRozan, mm-hmm. I mean, he was loyal and one could argue loyal to a fault. And look what happened. Exactly. Like, who, and that's a good question. What are you loyal to? Who are you loyal to? Um, some folks take their loyalty to one extreme. Other folks take their loyalty to the opposite, opposite extreme. You got young boys like... Uh, Kyrie saying, I don't owe anybody anything. He ain't say anything, but you know. Also from Jersey, yeah. You know, you know. So um, you have folks saying these things, which, you know, again, you don't owe anybody anything except if you, I believe your word is your word. Uh, I believe a contract is a contract, and there's ways to get around that for sure. Um, but I think you have to really ask yourself, what drives you, what motivates you? Is it fame? Is it clout? Um, or is it money? Is it the fact that you can provide for your family? Do you just want to play the game because you love the game? Or do you want to play the game at a high level against high competition? What is it? And you have to figure that out for yourself. So ultimately, you need to be loyal to yourself. First. First. I mean, there is a such thing as healthy selfishness. Yes. Because at the end of the day, you do have to take care of yourself or you can't take care of others. Exactly. And that's it's called self-care. That's, that's what it's called. Um, and if you don't take care of yourself first, the same way that if you're on a plane, it's going down. They say some... What did they say? Put your mask on first before you assist others. Exactly. Okay, guys, we're back. After a long and anticipated return, the creative gourd is back. Pleasure to be here with my brother, Mikhail Yisrael, who actually has a new thriving website. Could you tell us about MikhailIsrael.com, please? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. I really do. Um, MikhailIsrael.com is um, a place where you can go find out a a little bit about me. Uh, my educational philosophy. Um, you can figure out the things that I've been doing since I've graduated from college. Uh, I, I often talk about, and actually one of the videos that we did for Creative, uh, not Creative uh, Gory, but Creative Maestro. Yes, sir. Um, where you, first and foremost, let me take a step back. Let me take a step back. Because I want to thank you publicly on camera. Thank you so much. Because if you go to my website, MikhailIsrael.com, that's M-I-K-A-E-L. Y-I-S-R-A-E-L dot com, which was the domain was gifted to me, by the way, by Joshua Wearing. Um, and so thank you. Oh, no thank worries. You. That was a, my pleasure. A dope gift, a dope gift. But the other thing that was gifted to me um, was when we did that interview, uh, 
um, for Creative Maestro, you tagged it as the the innovative educator. Right. That's how you tagged it. And I could have sat in my basement for hours and racked my mind just trying to figure out what would I be like, what would I call myself or what would be my tagline for that um, and wouldn't come up with it. So once I had the innovative educator, I was like, what? So there's a space when I was doing my website where I could put Mikhail Israel, the innovative ed- educator, and it just works perfectly. So thank you for that. It flows. Thank you for that, which is beautiful. So I got the domain from my brother over here as well as the innovative educator. Um, but the website is really an opportunity to show you all the things I've been doing. I've been working um, in uh, both secondary and post-secondary admissions. Uh, I've been working in diversity, equity, and inclusion, what I currently do now um, as the director of diversity and inclusion at a school. Um, I've presented and, and gone to a number of different conferences and presented at a number of different conferences. Um, I am uh, author of a blog, thethinkinggore.org. Um, so you could take take a look at that as well. It's also on Instagram. Um, and then also I just recently launched uh, my LLC, which is 11-1 Enterprises, uh, which is an educational management, educational consulting, and strategic uh, planning uh, collective uh, that, you know, you can go to the website, take a look, peruse, see if there's anything that strikes strikes you or something that could work for you or your organization. Uh, but I, j- I just like to help educational institutions. And on top of that, my background is in policy analysis and management, consumer policy. Um, so I'm very business-minded, too, business-savvy. Um, so even if it's not an educational institution, I love to work with corporate entities as well if they need help uh, with strategic planning, cultural competency, professional development, organizational leadership, all that jazz. I'm here for you, baby. Somehow I feel our alma mater, the Petty School, oh, yes. Alaviva, would be interested in such services, as I'm sure their extensive professional network as well. I think so, too. And um, it's funny you bring that up because I think I don't do things for money. Right. Money is important because we need money to live, to survive, to exist. We can't really barter anymore like we used to in the old school, right? Um, but I have been a person who've talked particularly to institutions, my alma mater, your alma mater, Petty, as well as other institutions, particularly leaders in the organization, about things, about how you can improve the school or how you can um, increase the numbers of students of color, um, all those things. I've done that for free out of the kindness of my heart because I believe in these institutions. Um, But it's nice to get compensated for it, and you would get more from me and of me if I was being compensated for it because time is money, not 100% 100% same thing, but um, in order for me to actually do great work and leave something that's tangible as opposed to just one conversation to hold each other accountable, um, be great to get like get signed on and do something. Thousand percent. And since we're on that topic, I would say it leads right into the whole aspect of how the Coliseum and let's say gladiator sports has progressed into the modern day professional sports as well. Oh, 100%. 100%. And I think that um, today, particularly young folks growing up, they're, they're not, uh, they might think that sports um, don't really have deep roots. They might just think that it's something that's fun to watch. They might not understand that this is actually someone who's getting paid to do this. It's their job, literally their job. Um, so they might not understand those intricacies. Um, some of the older heads who actually realized that, guess what, let's just take the NBA, for example. Back in the day, you literally did have gladiators. One, the league was bigger because you had, like, seven-footers. Right. Like, real big men. Not, you know, 6'11 folks who want to shoot the three. You know what I mean? Who are, who are great, uh, but they didn't really, like, bang bodies down low like they used to. Where they were literally gladiators. Right. Yeah, seven, seven-foot folks literally doing work in the paint. 
right? You had teams who didn't like each other, and they really had they had brawls. You would think it was hockey. Exactly. As much fights they had, right? Oh, so they were literally in an arena or in a coliseum or in a palace. Yeah. Right? <laughs> in a palace um, <laughs> where there could be malice. No. Like, <laughs> literally in a place where there could be fights and things of that nature where folks are really duking it out to prove who's better, right? And if you think about it, the same way boxers have a record. Right. You have your wins and losses, some by knockout. You have all these analytics about sports. What's your record? Your record, is that indication of how good your team is? Or is that indication of how good your star player is? Is that indication of how weak the league might be or your division might be? So we have to think about those things. Um, so in terms of the Coliseum, it's evolved in a lot of different ways now because it's not as brute as the Coliseum days. Um, but it's still for entertainment value. It's still for the pure entertainment and joy and spectacle of folks who are not putting their lives or their livelihoods on the line day in and day out. Um, and it's just interesting what it says about people in general, the folks who want to do these things and the folks who want to observe these things. It's true. I would say from ancient times, sports or the gladiator games has always been a distraction. So especially in times of ancient Rome and ancient Greece, you would have the heads of state organizing events as a you know donation, as a sacrifice to the gods, so that they could have a favorable result in the Senate. Yep, 100%. And I think that nowadays you just see the language being different. Right. So you still have those same structures. Um, you have the organizational structure of you have an owner or the board of governors or whatever you want to call it. Then you have the general managers, the presidents, et cetera. They are organizations that are running like well-oiled machines. But the little peasants, the ones who have to get into the ring or the Coliseum, are the players, the ones who actually have to like commit blood sport in a lot of different ways, put their bodies, their their livelihoods, their limbs on the line um, in order for them to get fans, get money, um, get endorsements. Right. That's just how it is now. And then that's what really perplexes me because, I mean, you know me, I never was really interested in football that much simply because, number one, as an intellectual, I can't see people consciously wanting to put themselves in those positions that almost guarantees harm. Mm -hmm. I mean, essentially, every team has, every player has an injury by the end of the year. That, that's a guarantee. Yeah. A and the to me, the, the biggest error in all of that is that there's no guaranteed contracts for certain players. 100%. There's no guaranteed contract for certain players. Um, this is the organization that uh, gets the least, uh, the players gets the least amount of revenue share. Um, so I think they've been negotiating or working at fluctuating between 48% um, or 47% where they get 47 or 48% of the revenue share where owners get the rest of it, right? And they have the highest revenue in North America. Yes, and they're also a, a, a nonprofit organization because they're not taxed, the NFL. Which is also interesting because you brought up entertainment. Yes. So the simple fact that it is governed as entertainment, they can actually legally script games. Yes. Legally script games because there have been countless, I guess now, frivolous lawsuits against the NFL. And a lot of people were like, oh, you were fixing games and we have proof X, Y, and Z. Yeah, let's be very clear. Um, whether they say it or not, the Super Bowl should have been between, this past Super Bowl should have been between the New Orleans Saints mm. and the Los Angeles Chargers. Oh, that's facts. Because, or excuse me, between the, not the New Orleans Saints and um, the Patriots. Right. 
um, because New Orleans Saints should have beat the Los Angeles Chargers, but they didn't call that egregious, egregious. Stevie Wonder could have saw that. (laughs) Egregious pass interference. Right. It was crazy. And then they said, oh, we got it wrong. Too late. Tom Brady got another championship. I wonder why. So these things need to be checked. And like I said, the same way if I told you that 50 people said that you were wearing the color blue. Mm -hmm. And I said only one person said you were wearing the color black. Whether you believe me or not, the court of public opinion or other folks are going to be like, well, 50 people say he's wearing blue, so he must be wearing blue. One person said black. You know you're wearing black. I know you're wearing black. Now, one person said they know they're wearing black. But everybody's like, oh, it has to be blue. So what happens is that you have these folks in the NFL who we're going to go to uh, our studios and go to our, our head official who's going to see what the cause. That's a joke. Like, a lot of it's a joke. It's like, well, this call should be overturned. And then it's overturned. You already know what the outcome is going to be. And you're just using this person as a, like a, as a figurehead to really say, this is what we're doing to you. This is how it's going to be prepared. So we get that call before we actually get the call on the field. And there's other times when you see the folks who are really trying to be straight up with it. And like, no, this call should definitely be overturned. And it doesn't get overturned. It's like, well, I, wow, I don't know about that one. <laughs> and you can see they're legitimately like perplexed because they're trying to do their real job. Exactly. But the problem with NFL and sports in general, because we live in a capitalistic society, Unfortunately, the reality is money, money trumps morals. So monetary value trumps morality. I think there's a pun in there. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) It's very interesting, especially when you talked about figureheads. All I could picture was Roger Goodell being essentially the Caesar being like, Mm -hmm. and essentially that's what he's doing because he's in charge of the, the disciplinary actions. So he's actually holding each player's future in his hands and he's basing his opinion off the court of public opinion. Oh yes. And he's, he just sits up high on his throne um, and he could bring down the gavel whenever he wants to, um, or when he doesn't want to. Right. Um, recently we've seen things in the news about Tyreek Hill um, mm. and he was cleared by real law and order, like real justice and, you know, not the NFL. He was, cleared by folks who are actually professionals at investigating and studying whether or not someone committed a crime or not. Right. But still folks are like, well, you know, what should they do about Tyreek Hill in the NFL? What do you mean? Um, he was cleared of all charges. I'm not saying whether or not he did it. I don't know. I can't speak to that. But if, if we're really going to talk about a, a criminal justice system or we're going to really talk about or injustice system, if we're really going to talk about that, um, shouldn't we really hold up the fact that, oh, he's been cleared, so maybe the NFL to his employer should be the same way and clear him because he's been cleared by the other entities? Which is interesting Interesting because usually the NFL likes to buy time and be like, oh, we're going to wait until what the professionals say and the investigation will make our ruling based upon what they did. Oh, 100%. And uh, I think Malcolm X said it once, if you, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Yes. And the NFL doesn't have a moral backbone. Um Again, they have a money backbone, and it's really about money. And going back to you know other football conspiracy theories, so to speak, <laughs> last year, Kareem Hunt mm. got suspended. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about whether or not he's wrong for what he did. I don't know the situation. I wouldn't be kicking a woman. I wouldn't be doing anything like that to a woman. 
I don't know if it was provoked. It did look like it in the video. But again, is that the proper response? Don't want to talk about that. What I do want to talk about, though, is how did that video get released? And if that's something that happened so early, because I think it happened like in February and it got released, I don't know, hmm, close to the playoffs. How does someone of great moral character release that video when you've had it since February and you release it not in February, not in March, not in April, not in May, not in June, but near, near later on July before the season is coming up and all those other things in terms of, oh, it, it might have never been before the season. It might have been during the season, if I'm not mistaken. And it's like, okay, so are you trying to make sure that they lose their best running back, who was actually the best running back in the league behind Zeke in some ways? What are you trying to do? Is it really about morals or is it really about money? So, again, they have no moral fiber in their body. If they did, they would care about CTE. If they did, they would care about guaranteed contracts. If they did, they would understand that the lifespan, I think the career lifespan is three and a half years in the NFL. Yeah, three to four years. Absolutely. And I think they said each year, each year, I think 4,500 injuries in the season. What? In the season. A total, if I'm not mistaken. So that's at least two injuries or so, two and a half injuries or so, Per, per player. And it might be like 22 or more players that actually play, so to speak, in the game. So if they had any type of moral fiber or moral ground to stand on, but they don't. And again, that's what, that's all I see is parallels to the Coliseum. So if you look at legends of their time, let's say the people in, who would be in the GOAT conversation and their mm-hmm. perspective, perspective sports, people like, Michael Jordan, at a certain time in history, it was Achilles. And my question would be, what would be the difference between Michael Jordan and Achilles? Now someone clever could say Kobe Bryant. But But even Kobe Kobe as well, Kobe and LeBron, all of them would be on the pantheon of the best athletes of all time. You could put Michael Phelps in there, Mm -hmm. Usain Bolt in there. Mm -hmm. A lot of people belong in that category. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and it reminds me of the Olympics, right? Mm. The Olympics, you're supposed to see the best and the brightest. You're supposed to see the, the folks who are at the top of their game. You see a Usain Bolt. Um, you see the USA uh, women's basketball team. Uh, if you think about World Cup, you right. see the women's, women's national team, my goodness, um, doing damage. Um, so you see these folks who become immortalized um, because of their skill, because of their talent, because they can do things way better than majority of the world can do. Um, that's why they're so unique. That's why they're so talented. That's why they get lauded. Um, similarly, the same way that you have some of these rappers or you have some of these folks who might be millionaires in real estate, you're looking at them, you're like, you're doing something different. You're doing something that other folks can't do. They might be able to learn the skill. Like, literally, I can go pick up a basketball tomorrow um, or tonight even and start dribbling, shooting. I'm never going to be a LeBron James. No matter how much studying I do, no matter how much training, it's not going to happen. So when we look at other folks who might try to get there, you know, my mixtape might be cooking in the lab right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Coming soon. But I'm never going to be at the top of my game like a J. Cole, even though we share the same birthday and we were three years apart. All I'm saying is it's not going to happen. There are some folks who are greats for a reason, and that's why we really look up to them with such spectacles, such hype, because we're like, oh, my goodness, I can't do that. This person's insane. This person's a god. You know, um, and you have this, you know, uh, Mount Rushmore, so to speak, of who are the NBA greats, who are the NFL greats. You have these places where folks literally get enshrined in the Hall of Fame. Literally. Literally. They have a bust of themselves. Um, And it's just amazing. It's amazing. But again, money, 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 money. 
and there is a ton of money to be made in being the best. Because usually if you're the best player, you probably have one of the best contracts. You can also demand more of an organization, and an organization will, you know, if you tell them to jump, they will say how high. Mm -hmm. Essentially, that's what happened with Kawhi Leonard with the Raptors. And the Raptors are ready to jump higher than their space needle to <laughs> appease him. <laughs> Listen, and I, I appreciate folks who are becoming smarter, wiser um, about what their worth and value is. Uh, I appreciate folks who are really, and when I say folks, I mean these players who are taking control of their careers, who are um, working towards uh, evening the playing field, so to speak. Um, if they're going to be on a plantation, so to speak, metaphorically, right? If they're going to be on one, um, how can they? How can they make it so that they're actually? Uh, making sure that the owners are on the same plantation and they're not the overseers. They're not the ones who are just making all the profit. You're going to get your hands dirty too. You're going to pick up this this rake and you're going to rake some stuff too. Um, so I think that if they start to talk the right language and start to talk the money game and start to talk about what their value is and if you have me, this is what I can add to your organization. If you don't have me, this is what you're going to lose. They can start talking those dollar and cents. If they can start talking about how I'm going to impact your bottom line and not only your bottom line, but maybe your your states or your, your state or the GDP. I believe when LeBron first left Cleveland, there was actually a hundred million dollar void in their economy mm -hmm. when he left to Miami. Mm -hmm. Overnight, overnight, pretty much like folks start to lose jobs. New newspapers. What you going to write about now? Cleveland just got very boring. I mean, I got family in Cleveland. I, I've been in Cleveland. It's, it's, eh, eh. <laughs> yeah. But like, what you going to write about now? Um, and you have folks who literally might be season tickets holders and they no longer want to be a season ticket holder because guess what? LeBron's not going to be there. Um, so it's interesting how individuals can change. And folks are like, why do they get paid so much? Well, that's the reason why. Because they have large impact. You can say fair or unfair. You can say whether you care or you don't care, but that's what it is. Um, and the more and more we know the money game, the more and more we know the business, no matter what business we're in, no matter what profession we're in, the more and more we know about it, the dealings, what drives the industry, the better off we'll be to navigate it.